0: the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. On the sunny Friday, this portion of the program is brought to you by Brothers Disposal. Now offering weekly trash collection services. Call Brothers Disposal today at 401 688 zero Call Roland and Willie today. Come on, brother. Call Brother's Disposal, 401-688-0517. Get a purple dumpster in your driveway. Let's dip in, folks. This is um, right now at CPAC. Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas is uh, speaking. Let's dip in a little bit. This is live at CPAC. You know, some, people, some people on the left even
2: called for me to apologize. So let me say again. I will never apologize for defending America.
1: That's right. Damn right. You got that right.
2: and, And you know, one of the first things I learned in the Army, really one of the first things anyone learns in the Army, is the five principles of patrolling. The most important of which is security. Because if you don't have security, you don't have anything. And security is what our brave police officers bring to our communities every single day across yep, that's America. That's right. And that's why conservatives should never apologize for backing the blue.
1: That is exactly right, folks. At 108, Senator Tom Cotton live at CPAC.
2: And whether whether it's a child mob at the New York Times or a social media mob, or an actual mob in our streets, we will never bend the knee to a politically correct mob ever.
1: Yep. This is Senator Tom Cotton, Arkansas. Now, Senator.
2: the New York Times is a laughingstock, obviously. Oh, yeah. But this is no laughing matter. The The Democrats expect us all to surrender, to capitulate. They want to control the terms. Of the debate they even want to control our language have you seen that joe biden wants to ban the term illegal aliens
1: oh my god
2: true. what does he want to replace it with he wants to replace it with voter undocumented non-citizen true is i'm not making it up why are they undocumented because they're illegal that's right it's, it's simple people that's
1: right folks it's this, it's, at CPAC. this is live it's just
2: the tip of the iceberg of their open borders immigration agenda. They want to give amnesty to 15 to 20 million illegal aliens with no strings attached. Wow. With voting rights. Presumably in time for what they hope will be Kamala Harris's re-election campaign.
1: That's right. They Mayor they have
2: halted deportations for all illegal aliens. Murderers, rapists, terrorists, MS-13 gang members are not being deported. They stopped building a wall on our border, and they put up a wall around your United States Capitol. And right now, right now, as we speak, they are literally tracking down illegal aliens in Mexico who Donald Trump turned away to invite them to come back. Terrible. That's not catch and release. That's recruit and release.
0: That's right. Wow.
2: And of course... You can't fly into America without a negative coronavirus test, but you can cross our border without one. Now I've got news for the Democrats again. Turns out this open borders agenda is not very popular. You can see that in the polls about Joe Biden's plans. 2020 was one of the best elections we've ever had with Hispanic voters in particular and with immigrant voters in general. It reminds me of a story a friend of mine back home told me. He works with a first-generation immigrant named Manuel. Manuel told him, my wife and both my boys and I all voted for Donald Trump. And my friend said, said, oh, you didn't vote for Donald Trump. And Manuel said, no, we voted for Trump. And my friend said, why did you vote for Trump? And Manuel pointed at the parking lot and he said, have you seen my new pickup truck? And he said, did you know that both of my boys have full-time jobs now? And he said... you know i'm not offended by what donald trump does and like so many americans across the country he said we have donald trump to thank for those things so is it any wonder that people like him immigrants who obeyed our laws and came here the right way who earn their citizenship and earn the right to vote, are some of our most patriotic and loyal Americans. That's right. People who escape depression from countries like Cuba or Venezuela or China. More than ever, we need that kind of simple, unambivalent, unashamed patriotism. The proud love of a great country. Because America truly is a great country, it is worth fighting for, it is worth dying for. And it is worth defending our history. These these radical liberals, they want to erase our history. They want to replace it with their crazy Marxist theories. They may say that it's about the civil war, racism. Don't believe them. Look at what's happening in San Francisco. They're trying to rename schools named after George Washington and Abraham Lincoln and Dianne Feinstein. People, if Diane Feinstein is not liberal enough for you, I don't know what to tell you. But they are more focused on renaming Abraham Lincoln High School than they are opening it up so kids can go back and learn there. And, And remember this, too. Remember this, too. Last summer, as those mobs rampaged in the streets, they tore down statues of Abraham Lincoln and U.S. Grant. When they're tearing down statues of Lincoln and Grant, it's not about the Civil War or racism, it's because they hate America. They want to erase and rewrite our history. These liberals read 1984 and thought it wasn't a cautionary tale, but a how-to manual. Good line. These are the same liberals that were burning our flag over and over again last summer in the streets. And what happened? The media celebrated them. Kamala Harris bailed them out of jail. Well, I think you all know what we should do with rioters in the street. We should lock up every last one of them.
0: That's right.
2: You know, I'll confess that it's... It makes my blood boil when I see liberals desecrating our flag. When I was in the Army, I, I served at Arlington National Cemetery. And we performed funerals for our fallen heroes. I had to present that flag to their widows. The same flag that was burned in our streets last year. The same flag that pampered athletes' disrespect by taking a knee during an our national anthem. Those athletes are about the same age as a lot of those soldiers. A lot of our wounded warriors, though, don't have the ability to take a knee anymore. You would think it was the least those athletes could do to stand up for our flag when our national anthem plays. But if they won't stand up, then we will stand up for our flag. Let me, let me close just with just one final story about the flag. You know, I used to get asked questions a lot, I still do, about why the flag is backwards on the Army uniform. And it goes back to the day of cavalry charges. When our soldiers would charge into battle, the flag would fly in the wind. And if you were on the right side of the formation, and the flag is worn on the right shoulder, it would appear backwards. So our soldiers wear that flag backwards on their uniform still today to remind everyone that our Army always advances. It never retreats.
1: And We're listening to live coverage of CPAC. This is Senator think, Tom Cotton on the John DePito Show.
2: I think that's a pretty good lesson for us today. Yep. When America is under assault and conservatives are under attack, we will never retreat. That's right. We will never surrender and we will defend and protect the United States of America. Thank you all. God bless you. And God bless the United States. Folks, what
1: a great speech. Good afternoon once again. That is uh, Senator Tom Cotton. You're listening to the John DiPietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can always uh, listen online at the website to That it is That uh, is Senator Tom Cotton. If you remember, it's interesting. He mentioned to me the New York Times because you go back to he was uh, at the center of controversy. They ran uh, an op ed that Senator Tom Cotton sitting senator. You just heard him. Very reasonable military background. The New York Times ran an op-ed that he wrote. And as a result of that, the editor of the New York Times at the time was forced out. <laughs> I mean, that's how ridiculous that things have just become. So now this portion of the John DeP- Petro Show. Folks, it's brought to you by Henry Oil. Call Henry Oil today. Reliable, affordable, fuel oil delivery. Fuel oil, diesel, gasoline delivery. Call Henry Oil today at 401-521-0200. 401-521-0200 for Henry Oil. Remember, reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery since 1947. You can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today, 401 401- Five two one zero two hundred. So a couple of um, stories in the news. Now, we're also hearing, it was announced yesterday, apparently, now a couple things, folks. There's breaking news. The Rhode Island COVID death toll has now topped 2,500. 2,500 people have died. There were 400 new positive cases. But the Rhode Island Convention Center Field Hospital is closing. Which it should. And by the way, I still think that was a colossal, colossal waste of money. But next Sunday, I believe that unless something happens with Governor Mundo's where she will, Rhode Island Governor Gina Raimondo will become the new Commerce Secretary, she'll have a full Senate vote and become the new Commerce Secretary, uh, incoming Governor, Lieutenant Governor Dan McKee, he's going to have a public ceremony. So from what we understand, he's going to be sworn in privately. It could be Tuesday night, or it could be Wednesday privately. And then next Sunday, he's going to have some kind of a more public gathering uh, at the, I think at the Rhode Island State House. That's what we're hearing. So that will develop. But what you want to watch, now? right now it's 118 in the afternoon. What we want to look for is that on Monday or Tuesday, uh, it's possible. Who knows? Senator Cruz just had a Big speech at CPAC, Senator Ted Cruz. He was the one that put a hold on Governor Raimondo's nomination. And, you know, Governor Raimondo, she President Trump is giving a big speech at CPAC coming up on Sunday. So I think the Republicans are going to be fired up. I think they're going to want to, you know, kind of say to the Democrats, you want to play rough? And who knows? Maybe it gets delayed. It's possible. It's absolutely possible. Now, another story that we are following is this where there's a Providence police sergeant Hanley who has been uh, he's on trial this was this week last week and the week before with regarding allegations that it was police brutality i want to play channel 12 they've done a good job with it and i want to play the uh, channel 12 piece that they uh, the eared on it
3: from the man whom prosecutors say was assaulted by Providence sergeant Joseph Hanley last year. Rashad Gore testified in Hanley's ongoing criminal trial, where he's accused of kicking, punching, and kneeling on Gore in an incident captured on video. Steph Machado was in the courtroom for the testimony today. She joins us now live outside Providence District Court. Steph.
4: Rashad Gore testified for the entire day today. He said as a black man in 2020, he did not know what might happen when officers pulled him out of that car. Rashad Gore appearing in court To testify against Providence Sergeant Joseph Hanley Seen in this video in April 2020 Arresting Gore in a Federal Hill neighborhood Prosecutors say Hanley kicked, punched And bounced his knee on Gore's neck
0: This man put his knee on my head And Jimmy then tried to crush my face Into the concrete that night And that's what he did
5: And you know what Grace of god,
0: honestly. You know, had I made any kind of
5: sporadic. All right
1: folks, we're going to come back to that in uh, in just a moment. Again, I've played some of the sound of it, but it's a sunny Friday. And it's the final Friday in February. And you hear me talk about staying healthy. And you hear me talk about Menden Road and across from Davenport Restaurant. And on the line with us right now, I call her the queen of health from It's My Health. It's our friend Marie. Good afternoon, Marie.
6: Good afternoon, John. How are
1: you? Very well, Marie. The sun is shining. It's dry out. What a perfect day to pop in and see you at It's My Health 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland.
6: Absolutely, We are waving goodbye to winter. It's been a rough
1: February, but people want to stay healthy. It's getting sunny out. What are some of the beautiful products that you could offer some people that pop in and see you at It's My
6: Health? Well, with allergy season coming up, it's a good time to be making sure you're getting a little bit of local honey every single day. That certainly can help. Start prepping for the trees to, to come into pollination. So cursidin, nettles, those kinds of things can be really helpful to prep the body for, you know, the onslaught of pollen. That would be that would be one of the, the best things it could do right now. Detoxification is also this is a good time for that. To that's why dandelion grows so early in the season it's one of the great detoxifiers so that's why you would be picking and eating dandelion um pretty soon because it's really good for detox
1: i love that and marie as you know now it's going to be rainy over the next couple of days nothing better than coming in out of the rain and having a nice hot cup of tea what type of teas would you maybe entice people with
6: Oh boy! Once again, you know, starting to think about some nettles tea, some some dandelion tea. Dandelion tastes a lot like summer squash, so if you're a summer squash fan, you're gonna love dandelion tea, and it's really really good for you. So those would be some of the ones. I mean, it's still winter, it's still cool, still rainy. Oh so, yeah. You know, some of our warming teas, you know, the the ginger teas and things like that would be would be still nice.
1: Folks, we're speaking with Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You've seen that. That historic white church right across from Davenport restaurant and Marie tell us a little bit about those hemp and CBD products
6: so we carry a few different brands all from really good companies that have control from seed all the way to oil so we have a company out of Colorado we have a couple of locals from um, from Vermont from Massachusetts and It comes also in the oil and in soft gels. So some people don't like the taste, so you can use the soft gels. The oil is probably the most effective um, because it absorbs through the tissue in your mouth, so putting it in your mouth and and leaving it there for a bit. But the soft gels you know, definitely get the CBD into the system as well, especially at night. Um, People have trouble sleeping, so CBD can be really helpful to to calm down, to relax, and all the anxiety right now you know with everything going on in the world with so many people who come in with anxiety and they find that the cbd just takes the edge off and helps them to get through the day or helps them to, to sleep at night That's really good for pain too so and we have a lot of dogs on it a lot of dogs
1: that is fantastic folks it's marie at it's my health 1099 mendon road in cumberland the historic white church marie what are your hours for today and for tomorrow
6: Be open till 5.30 today and tomorrow from 9 to 4.
1: You are the queen of health. Stay well and we'll talk to you again.
6: Thanks, John.
1: All right, folks, there it is, our friend Marie. It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Right now it's 124. Let me just go back to, uh, so this was the testimony from yesterday. I want you to remember, the guy on the stand that's talking, he's been arrested 22 times, would not get out of the car had been screaming and swearing at police officers that were involved with another situation. And he's sitting there in a Black Lives Matter mask. Now, so far in this report, I haven't heard the fact. I would have led with it that he has been arrested 22 times. And he's sitting there in a Black Lives Matter mask. And thank God, this is, again, Rashad Gore. He is the one that brought the charges against the police officer. So this is him on the witness stand, the Channel 12 piece
5: how this would have ended.
4: Gore testifying that when Hanley referred to him as an animal and a savage, which is captured on the tape, he took those to be racial slurs.
0: I've been black 29 years, so I've heard these words before, and I know when what kind of context they're used in.
4: The defense team has argued Hanley was using force on Gore even after he was handcuffed because he was resisting arrest, namely tensing his body. But Gore said today he was tensing up to absorb the blows.
0: I wasn't going to die throwing a punch back at a police officer who was clearly in a manic state.
4: And Hanley's defense team spent hours today trying to poke holes in Gore's accounting of events. We'll have some of that coming up new at 6. Live in Providence, I'm Steph Machado with 12 News.
1: All right, now again, folks, good afternoon. I I want to, in case you're just wondering, I want to play that again. But isn't that remarkable that at no point... Does she mention the fact that the guy had been arrested 22 times and the whole business that he's sitting there in a Black Lives Matter mask? Excuse me, maybe I missed it, but let me just play it again.
4: Today, the trial of Providence Police Sergeant Joseph Hanley resumed with testimony from the man he's accused of assaulting. Rashad Gore detailed for the first time what happened from his perspective when Henley allegedly kicked and punched him while he was on the ground in handcuffs. 12 news reporter Steph Machado was in the courtroom all day and joins us now with what the defense had to say. Steph? Rashad Gore says there is no doubt on the video or in his memory that Sergeant Hanley kicked him and ground his face into the sidewalk with his knee but the defense team spent hours questioning the validity of Gore's account.
6: This man put his knee on my head
0: Jimmy then tried to crush my face into the concrete that
4: night. It's the first time we've heard from 29-year-old Rashad Gore, who today spent six hours on the stand about this incident in April 2020 when he was arrested by Providence Police. Officers dragging him from a car and Hanley accused of picking, punching and kneeling on Gore's neck.
3: You know, there are people that go through things like this that don't
0: get to tell this story.
4: Hanley's defense team has argued Gore was resisting arrest, creating a justification for Hanley to use force. Attorney Michael Colucci tried to use Gore's prior arrest record as evidence that he's anti-police. You changed
2: everything to show your bias against policemen, Mr. Gore, and that's what you're doing right now, right? Absolutely not. I'm on the right side of the fence. You're wearing a Black Lives Matter. Is that a problem? You're wearing a Black Lives Matter mask in this courtroom. Right. Right. And you know they stand for anti-police, defunding police, obliterating police if they could. True. I don't don't agree with that. I do not
6: agree with
4: that. And Gore was still on the stand being cross-examined when court closed today, so he's set to take the stand again tomorrow morning to finish up. And then we're expecting Sergeant Hanley to take the stand in his own defense. Live in Providence, I'm Steph Machado, 12 News.
1: No mention. They say arrest record. Why wouldn't you mention he was arrested 22 times? The Channel 12 headline is... Sergeant Hanley kicked me, crushed my face into the concrete. Why not man arrested 22 times claims police use brutality? By the way, he's a big guy. You can see him. He's like bulging through his shirt on the stand. All right, now she does a second report. Oh, is that the full one? I thought she does a second report on this on Channel 12. How do you not? I, what am I missing, folks? How do you not mention the fact that the guy had been arrested 22 times. Don't you? Now, right now, wherever you're listening to this program, it's one, basically one thirty. It's Friday. It's the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, Depetro.com. How do you not? I, I'm just, you know, she's in the media. I'm in the media. Why would you not mention in your story that obviously there's a bias there and this guy can't claim like oh I didn't know I know you've been arrested 22 times not only is he and then he shows up wearing the the Black Lives Matter mask
0: face mask
1: I mean I, I just I, I don't understand no again they're making the decision but that's not worthy of carrying that In the story, the amount of times that this guy has run afoul of the law, I think it is. Now, some good news on this Friday. And I'm very happy for Texas Senator Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz, who had a uh, good showing at CPAC. He did the best thing. Kind of made, joked about, he said, I'll play the sound of that. I also just want to see this story. woman accused of arson in Warwick. Work police said they arrested a woman setting fire at the complex. Ayana Milton, 28 of Charlestown, first-degree arson. She was arraigned Thursday, hell without bail. The uh, Les Chateau on Work Avenue broke out February 13th, set on purpose, started an empty storage area in the lower level. They said that she was staying there temporarily. I wonder if it was like a section eight thing this is uh, i know exactly where this is it's right down from where um when i worked at iga right down from there now i don't know all the details of that uh but boy you know i don't know this individual and obviously i mean you set an apartment building on fire but they were um it was a long time it was a long time of um of trying to find out who it was that that started those, uh, those fires last summer. That's for sure. Let me also just, um, you know, someone sent me an email. It's not uncommon to see debris in the middle of the road. Oh, a couch was spotted in the center lane of Interstate 95. <laughs> I know there are some people that park and go out and grab it. I'm not one of them. Thurber's Avenue Curve 615 Wednesday night. It's unknown who the driver was. It's clear how it was removed. A truck stopped traffic, pulled it over to the right side of the breakdown the lane. They had to swerve around it. I mean, think of that. Now they should. They have cameras. You know, the driver should be liable. Whoever allowed that thing to go falling off. By the way, Ted Cruz also at CPAC, and I'm glad he did it. He also Ted Cruz at CPAC. He in his speech. He made light of the fact that AOC was basically trying to pretend that that she had uh, almost been murdered at the Capitol, which was just um, an absolute joke. So she was a half mile away that day. So let me find, um, I know I have it. Um, let's see. Bear with me, folks. This portion of the John DePietro show is brought to you by West Fountain Autobody. Remember, if you're ever in an accident, pick up the phone and call West Fountain Autobody 272 3340. All right, first, I want to play. This is Rand Paul going back and forth between Dr. Rachel Levine on gender transition. I like Rand nice. Paul a lot
3: genital mutilation is considered particularly egregious because as the WHO notes, it is nearly always carried out on minors and is a violation of the rights of children. Most genital mutilation is not typically performed by force, but as WHO notes that by social convention, social norm, the social pressure to conform, to do what others do and have been doing as well as the need to be accepted socially and the fear of being rejected by the community. American culture is now normalizing the idea that minors can be given hormones to prevent their biological development of their secondary sexual characteristics. Dr. Levine, you have supported both allowing minors to be given hormone blockers to prevent them from going through puberty, as well as surgical destruction of a minor's genitalia. Like surgical mutilation, hormonal interruption of puberty can permanently alter and prevent secondary sexual characteristics. The American College of Pediatricians reports that 80 to 95% of prepubertal children with gender dysphoria will experience resolution by late adolescence if not exposed to medical intervention and social affirmation. Dr. Levine, do you believe that minors are capable of making such a life-changing decision as changing one's sex? Well, Senator, thank you for your interest in this question. Um, transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field um, with robust research and uh, standards of care that have been developed. And if I am fortunate enough to be confirmed as the Assistant Secretary of Health, I will look forward to working with you and your office and coming to your office and discussing the particulars of the standards of care for transgender medicine. The specific question was about minors. Let's be a little more specific since you evaded the question. Do you support the government intervening to override the parents' consent to give a child puberty blockers? cross-sex hormones, and or amputation surgery of breasts and genitalia. You have said that you're willing to accelerate the protocols for street kids. I'm alarmed that poor kids with no parents who are homeless and distraught, you would just go through this and allow that to happen to a minor. I would hope that you would have compassion for Kira Bell, who's a 23-year-old girl who was confused with her identity. At 14, she read on the internet about something about transsexuals. She thought, well, maybe that's what I am. She ended up getting these puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones. She had her breasts amputated. But here's what ultimately she says now. And this is a very insightful from decision from someone who made a mistake, but was led to believe this was a good thing by the medical community. I made a brash decision as a teenager as a lot of teenagers do. Trying to find confidence and happiness, except now the rest of my life will be negatively affected, she said, adding that the medicalized gender transitioning was a very temporary superficial fix for a very complex identity issue. What I'm alarmed at is that you're not willing to say absolutely minors shouldn't be making decisions to amputate their breast or to amputate their genitalia. For most of our history, we believe that minors don't have full rights and that parents need to be involved. So I'm alarmed that you won't say with certainty that minors should not have the ability to make the decision to take hormones that will affect them for the rest of their life. Will you make a more firm decision on whether or not minors should be involved in these decisions? Senator, uh, transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field, uh, and if confirmed to the position of Assistant Secretary of Health, I would certainly be pleased to come to your office and talk with you and your staff about the standards of care and the complexity of this field. Let it go into the record that the witness refused to answer the question. Good. The question is a very specific one. Should minors be making these momentous decisions? That's For right. most of the history of medicine, we wouldn't let you have a cut sewn up in the ER, but you're willing to let a minor take things that prevent their puberty, and you think they get that back? You give a woman testosterone enough that she grows a beard, you think she's gonna go back looking like a woman when you stop the testosterone? You have permanently changed them. Infertility is another problem. None of these drugs have been approved for this. They're all being used off-label. I find it ironic that the left that went nuts over hydroxychloroquine being used possibly for COVID are not alarmed that these hormones are being used off-label. There's no long-term studies. We don't know what happens to them. We do know that there are... Dozens and dozens of people have been through this who, who regret that this happened and a permanent change happened to them. And, you know, if you've ever been around children, 14-year-olds can't make this decision. In the gender dysphoria clinic in England, 10% of the kids are between the ages of 3 and 10. Wow. We should be outraged that someone's talking to a 3-year-old about changing their sex. Oh,
1: my God.
3: I can't do for you if you can.
1: Folks, again, that was um, Senator Rand Paul. Boy, I like him a lot. He's really grown on me. He, is, um, he has just been terrific. He really has been. I want to play. This is, uh, folks, good afternoon. It's 1.38 on this sunny Friday. It's John DiPietro on AM 1380, 99.95. You can always listen online at the website, DiPietro.com. But if you're in your car right now on this sunny Friday, maybe you've, hello, stumbled upon the program. Plug it in. We're here from 11 to 2 each weekday. Eh? This is uh, Senator Ted Cruz at uh, CPAC. I, th- I believe he goes after AOC in this. Uh,
0: just stop and say how strange the rules are right now. I want to understand how this virus works. So when you walk in, you've got to put your mask on. Sadly, I've got two. You walk in, you've got to put your mask on. You sit down, you take your mask off. See, apparently the virus is actually connected to elevation. Remember, this is all about science. It's actually, it may not be elevation. I think it's, it, it's that there are hormones that are released in your thighs when you're sitting. So you can sit at the table and there's no virus being transmitted. But if you stand up, put the mask on! And listen, let's be clear. This is a dangerous virus. But these collectivist statists, okay, now they're saying... Everybody can get immunized. We can have herd immunity everywhere, and we're going to wear masks for the next 300 years. And by the way, not just one mask, two, three, four. You can't have too many masks. How much virtue do you want to signal? This is just dumb.
1: Folks, again, that was uh, Senator Ted Cruz earlier today. He, he did very well. He also, if you haven't heard it, he uh, he started off. Let me play for you. He started off with a joke. I think it was the right move, by the way. I think it was the uh, the right move that uh, he joked about the Cancun situation. What else is he supposed to do? And um, I really like that attorney coming right out and saying, um, ooh, let me hear. Here's a little more of uh, Ted Cruz at CPAC
0: inspired who went to battle fighting alongside President Trump and they're terrified and they want him to go away let me tell you this right now Donald J Trump ain't going anywhere that's
1: right listen to that crowd yep
0: and the Republican Party is not the party just of the country clubs. The Republican Party is the party of steel workers and construction workers and pipeline workers and taxi cab drivers and cops and firefighters and waiters and waitresses. Love and it. the men and women with calluses on their heads who are working for this country. That is our party. And these deplorables are here to stay.
1: How about that Ted Cruz at SeaTac?
0: Every one of you has a platform every one of you has a voice the corporate media wants to silence these voices you have a platform you know last year i launched a podcast verdict with ted cruz over 25 million downloads in a year by the way please go subscribe verdict with ted cruz verdict with ted cruz click on subscribe five stars please but you know what You have the same platform. You have social media. You have your friends, your neighbors, your family, your classmates. Speak out for freedom. Because I'm going to close with these words of encouragement. These are dark days and the media tells us this is the new galactic empire forever and a thousand years. But already Joe Biden and the radicals in his administration, they are already overshooting. They are already going too far. Their policies don't work. They are disasters. They are bad. They are destroying jobs. They are stripping our freedom. And there is a natural pendulum to politics. And the country will come back to sanity. And mark my words, 2022 is going to be a fantastic election year, and so is 2024, as we stand together and defend liberty, defend the Constitution, defend the Bill of Rights of every American, in the immortal words of William Wallace, freedom!
1: <laughs> wow, very, very inspiring. Folks, good afternoon. It's Sean DiPigro. That is Senator Ted Cruz, who, um, again, listen, he's behind President Trump, and... Mitch McConnell is behind President Trump and returning. And it's all building towards Sunday. CPAC is turning into, um, it's really going to be the Trump show. I'm also seeing massive golden statue <coughs> of Trump holding star wand. The lights crowd as ex-president said to make comeback speech. So, a huge golden statue of Donald Trump holding a star wand delighted the CPAC crowd ahead of the comeback speech. The massive effigy was seen being rolled on Thursday evening. and He's holding a magic wand. Uh, he's also wearing a pair of stars and stripes shirts, shorts with a suit jacket, white shirt, and a tie. Uh, footage shows supporters taking selfies with the statue and watching noise as it's rolling through the building. Cruz tells CPAC crowd Orlando isn't as nice as Cancun Trump set to warm up To a 2024 2024 run in his speech McCarthy and Cheney clash over Trump's influence on the party And then CPAC of course cancelled Young Farrell Which I'm glad about But, um, Folks it's all building towards that It is all building towards that, and um, I wanted to see what's the video that they're promoting. Oh that's funny laugh. US President Donald Trump will appear in public for the first time since leaving office last month speaking at a meeting of the US Conservative Political Action Conference or CPAC. A source familiar with Trump's plans told Reuters "quote he'll be talking about the future of the Republican Party and the conservative movement. His address will come as his Republican Party appears riven between a faction unwaveringly loyal to the 45th president yep. and another seeking to put Trump behind them. The former reality TV star's tumultuous 4 years in office were Tapped off by his second impeachment trial, this time on charges he incited an insurrection that led to the violent Capitol riot on January 6th. Ten Republican representatives and seven Republican senators sided with Democratic lawmakers against Trump. Even though he voted to acquit, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell gave a blistering speech blaming Trump for the violence.
2: President Trump is practically and morally responsible.
1: Well, he did say that, Mitch McConnell. He also said... That he would support him for president in 2024. And I think that's the important thing to remember there. That's what it's really all about, is he would support him in 2024. Now, I also mentioned that Senator Ted Cruz came out. And why not get it out of the way and address he the fact they're in Orlando and immediately just touch on Cancun. Senator Ted Cruz at CPAC
0: God bless CPAC I gotta say Orlando is awesome It's not as nice as Cancun
1: You know, that whole thing, the fact that the media is going, went after him so aggressively on that. And that story obviously has uh, has died down. But the fact that they went after him on that, but they're still not going after Cuomo. Cuomo still gets a free pass on a lot of things. Um, I think the Trump speech on Sunday, and again, folks, at 147, good afternoon. It's John petro on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, petro.com Don't forget petro.com, which is brought to you by Surplus Provisions, Pontiac Avenue in Cranston, where you can get body armor and ammo and pepper spray and food storage. Stop in and see Tanya and Frank, Surplus Provisions, Pontiac Avenue in Cranston. Um, listen, this speech coming up on Sunday, it's a big one, and it's a big one. for. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that basically thought that it was over, that the party's moving on and it's time to move on and the president can't win and everything else. And that, excuse me, that is not the case. God bless me, that is not the case in any way. You know, some of the things that we're hearing locally, um, let it be the definition. You're seeing that with the president being off the stage a little bit, let, let the media focus on people like Governor Cuomo or that the governor out in California, Newsom, there's a recall going after him. Now, Governor Baker of Massachusetts seems to be, so far, take some hits here and there. But by all accounts, he um, is still in good shape. I think it would be interesting if, in fact, uh, Jeff Deal ran against him in a primary And whether or not he could actually beat him in a Republican primary. And then right now, in case you're just tuning in closer to home, uh, obviously Governor Amundo now. Now, we don't know what's going to happen Monday and Tuesday. Everything is being planned that they think on Tuesday there could be a Senate vote on Governor Amundo. She would be then voted in, approved by the full Senate. She already made it out of committee. She would then become. Commerce Secretary, big job. She's taking some of her people with her. Everything's in motion. Incoming Governor, Lieutenant Governor Dan McKee, he said yesterday he is signaling that he's going to start to announce more of his staff as he's about to uh, take over. And he's got some big jobs to fill. He is planning on, uh, it could be Tuesday night, there could be a small private ceremony and lieutenant governor, former mayor of Cumberland, Danic, he could become sworn in as the governor of Rhode Island, and at the same time, Governor Mundo would be sworn in by Vice President Kamala Harris, which we've seen different people. Now that would be interesting. Next Thursday, he was there yesterday, and he did. Uh, I thought he led the press briefing. I thought it was it was pretty solid. He he seemed more comfortable in the role of that yesterday and i did uh you know folks as you know i i attend and i like to interact with them try to get many of your questions answered and uh sometimes you can and sometimes um it's not so easy to do that but yesterday he uh, started off i thought he was pretty good in control i want to find i did ask him uh the situation regarding the schools and how that was going to go and so i want to um let me just get to the question this is from yesterday i think it starts off with brian crandall and then uh and folks again i was there i didn't go down to the beach like some other members of the media did let's listen
3: associated with this plan?
5: This yesterday. Yeah, I made strong recommendations last week. I think everybody read those, and I think that there's been a response to those in terms of not only what the state had planned, but I think we're certainly adding the capacity, and that's what I'm most concerned about, is the capacity in advance of getting the vaccines. So with um, it's a team approach. Right, state, local communities are now engaged in a way. We've had several meetings with all 39 cities and towns their CEOs, and uh, I think they fully understand. I think the news today about that $64 million from FEMA is going to make it even more uh, possible for you know, to local communities to participate. They're going to continue to keep their local um, units open, as they are. It wasn't mentioned, but thousands of vaccines went out this week in addition to what was at the state site and local sites. And then once once we open up the regional sites... Uh, for municipalities there's going to be partnerships with the municipalities so yes I think that many strong recommendations that I've made I think that we're in the works or they weren't in the works but we're in a good place today as Dr. Alexander Scott said you know we, we did identify that there was you know tens of thousands of vaccines in inventory and you just heard that those are out in people's arms right now and that's what we want to make sure it happens.
3: Do you think it sent the wrong message or a mixed
5: message to criticize the plan and then not come last week? No, so, remember, the people know that this is, my time is valuable right now, right? Not only are we working through a health crisis, but we're working through a budget crisis. Yes, last week I spent time on the budget crisis. I certainly made uh, comments during, before that meeting, that, uh, you know, those strong recommendations. So, no, there's no mixed message. The message is that we're, we're balancing many different issues and time is valuable and i spent my time last week at, a, at budget issues
1: governor uh, Governor mckee uh you mentioned the schools oh, me. now governor baker has committed april 1st he would like all the schools in massachusetts back five days a week are you leaning towards that little rhode island mayor of massachusetts in that effort
5: well i think it's premature to say where i am but i did mention that we'll have a plan uh, once i am governor uh to make sure that the the teachers and the child care uh, people who are working with young people that we need uh, to uh, activate as long as all the school personnel. Uh, we're a little late in that game right now. Uh, I think that virtually every state in the country has some plan for the teachers. We're going to come up with a plan on that, and then we'll look at Governor Baker's uh, model. And like I just said, I just got off the phone with Governor Lamont in Connecticut, who just made that announcement last week. And we're going to dig into the policy that he put forward as well.
1: Now, I just want to follow up. Uh, The New York Times had a story saying that Governor Mundo basically had the blueprint for how it should be done. He would call out certain districts, Warwick, Pawtucket, if they were not going back into school. I think in the past you said maybe it would be a local decision. But are you leaning towards more that the state should be the driver, say, like Pawtucket, parents are upset that it's completely distance learning?
5: So I think that's an important question for people to hear. So, yes, I am on the record saying that the state should be providing the resources and they should be providing the guidance. And then we should encourage the school districts to follow that. And then when they do make those decisions, then the state should be supportive of those decisions on a local basis.
1: Folks, again, good afternoon. It's John DePietro. I was there. I go. And I go at 155 on this Friday. I go because you deserve to have the proper questions answered. You know, I um, it, it is not easy the role that the former Mayor of Cumberland, Cumberland, Lieutenant Governor McKee. It's not easy what he's stepping into because you think about it. He's, he's not being elected governor. He was elected lieutenant governor. And by the way, Thank God he got elected lieutenant governor. Or otherwise, progressive communist socialist Aaron Ruggenberg, who was arrested protesting, Mr. Activist at the Wyatt Detention Center, he would be coming the governor. We'd really be in trouble if that was happening. I mean, where the state is actually dodging a bullet. So I think incoming Governor McKee, he deserves, you know, he deserves his hundred days. To get his staff up and running. And you think about that. It's March, April, May. And then, you know, maybe we'll even give him to the end of June. He deserves the chance to get his team up and running. Get a feel for it. I know that a lot of business people are excited about this. I'm very, for political reasons, I'm very curious to see who he's going to select to be his lieutenant governor. I have certain thoughts on who it should be. And as I've said, folks, I haven't hid from you that it, to me, he's he. This is that's. I think it's an important decision, not not for right now, but it's about who could help him win the Democrat primary um, n- next September. That's what it's all about. Now, I don't think he's going for it, but. An interesting choice would be if he chose Providence Mayor Jorge Alorza. I don't think he's going to do that, but that would be an interesting choice. He has to look at who's really is going to be difficult um, to take out in, in a primary. You have to worry about Providence. He's going to have General Treasurer Seth Magaziner. He's going to have Secretary of State Nellie Gorbia, who obviously we hope she doesn't get in. The voting, forget about it. Um He's got Jorge Alorza. At least those three. I, it would be interesting if he chose. If he chose Gorbia. She she doesn't run against him. And they'd have to agree not to by the way. You can't choose someone. Then they'd run against you in a primary. Um, if he chose her. That would be lights out. I mean that would be lights out on Alorza. And um, it's it, it certainly. But, but that's not the names that are being tossed around. And I want to defer to, we have them on uh, every week, and that's Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe that talks about the former mayor of Central Falls, who, by the way, is not that strong. But I, I think the Providence City Council person, Sabina Matos, who's the other name banting about, I don't think she's that strong either. But they'd be running as a ticket, and um, and they would then, they themselves would have to, by the way, run for election. So you really need them just to um, Aaron Ruggenberg, I believe he has said that he is going to run for lieutenant governor again. So you kind of, you don't want that guy getting into power. So you want to maybe pick someone that could neutralize him. He gets a lot of his power from the east side of Providence. I I don't know offhand if there's someone else in Providence, but some of the names that I've tossed around, again, this will determine a lot. Because if he could pick someone that people would think, oh, now that's like a good person to work with, but Nothing matters if you lose. If you lose next September 2022, if you lose that election, nothing else matters. I think it has to build towards that. Well, folks, at 159, again, good afternoon. It's John DePetro. I want to thank you for listening. If you want to get a hold of me, please go to my website, depetro.com. Remember, there's no I, D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com. Stay tuned coming up will be the uh, 2 o'clock news and then the John Dion program. Thank you for listening, but visit the website. Support the show. If you want to support the show, go to the website. We have uh, a lot that's going to happen right away next week. You can always uh, look for me on Breaking News on Facebook Live. I want to thank the great Jeff Gamach. So stay tuned for the 2 o'clock news. Uh, A lot of rain coming tomorrow, but get out there. Spring is three weeks away.
0: WNRI One Socket, 1380 AM, 99.9 FM, W260 DC.